Hello, welcome to The Wire Podcast. I'm Ryan McCrary, and there has been a lot going on in sports recently, so we've got a lot to talk about. To start today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes and whether or not they are the best team in college football at the moment. They just got a big win against Penn State, so now they're looking like one of the top teams in college football. I also want to talk about USC and Caleb Williams. They've been really struggling the last couple of weeks, so I want to discuss why that is and what it means for their for the rest of their season. Transitioning over to the NFL, I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills, who, like USC, is also struggling, and they've had a, a really weird last couple of weeks, so i got to talk about that. I also want to talk about the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. They are on fire right now, and Lamar Jackson is playing like the MVP, so i got to talk about them. And then lastly, we got some NBA talk on the pod now. The NBA season just kicked off last night. There have been a lot of extensions given out this week in the NBA. So we got a lot to talk about in regards to basketball. But yeah, I'm I'm super excited about this episode. We got a lot to talk about. So let's not waste any more time and dive right in. Alright, let's get the show on the road. Now before I get into any of the topics I have for today, I do want to apologize for not getting an episode out in the last two weeks. I actually recorded one last week, but I just didn't think it was very good. So I scrapped it and decided not to post it, not to publish it. And then the week before, I just got really busy with school and a big project I've been working on. I used to have a website um, on Wix.com, and I transferred that website over to WordPress, and I also rebuilt the website. And that took a little bit, so I was focused a lot on that. But yeah, we got a new website. I think it's better than it was before. I think it's really good. I'm proud of that. So if you want to go check that out, it's thewirehub.com. You can also you know, find the, web, the link to, to my website in the bio of my Twitter. I have a little link tree where you can you know, click that link. And I have a bunch of different links to like my YouTube channel, um, you know, the podcast, and the website. And you can go ahead and find the website through that. Yeah, so that's what I've been working on recently, but I'm glad to be back, and we got a lot to talk about, so I want to quit rambling and go ahead and start talking about Ohio State um, and whether or not the Buckeyes are the best team in college football at the moment. So this past weekend, Ohio State got a big win versus Penn State. They won 20-12. I watched this game, not going to lie. It wasn't great football. It was kind of hard to watch. Both teams' offenses struggled a bit, and it was a big defensive battle. So there wasn't a lot of scoring, wasn't a lot of offense, but Ohio State was able to come away with a big victory, and they were pretty dominant in this game. They controlled the game for most of it, especially in the second half. The first half was very close, but in the second half, Ohio State started to take control of the game a little bit. And so now they they have two big wins against Notre Dame and Penn State, um, and they are in the conversation to be the number one ranked team in the country. Right now, they are third. They're ranked third by the AP poll. Um, And so I think this leads to a big question. Are they the best team in the country right now? And when you look at that, when you think about that question um, and what your answer is, I think there are two ways that you can go with your answer. You can look at it from a resume perspective, looking at the quality of their wins and losses, or you can look strictly at their strength as a team, the way that they've been performing this season from an efficiency standpoint. And I'll talk about both. 
So let's start by talking about Ohio State's resume. And I want to talk about my ranking system that I've been putting out in the last two years on Twitter. Um, I think I've been putting it out in the last two years on Twitter. I think that's how long I've been posting it. And the way this system works is not, it's not my opinion. I use three metrics from ESPN. That is strength of record, which measures a, you know, the strength of a team's resume and their record, um, looking at how likely, I think it, I think the definition for the metric is how likely, you know, your average, like, 25th ranked team um, would have the record that a specific team has against their schedule. And then I also use FPI, which is, which measures team strength um, using efficiency numbers, you know, offense, defense, special teams. Early on in the season, I think that stat also includes prior information like recruiting um, and returning starters, stuff like that. And then as the season progresses, that kind of information receives less weight. And then I also use a game control, which measures, you know, how, how good teams are at controlling games. And it's kind of like margin of victory, basically. Kind of think of it that way. I'm not, I don't think it works the same way, but think of it that way, you know, how dominant are teams performing and so um in this week's rankings after and these rankings are after um this past weekend ohio state ranked number one in my rankings um and i'll go ahead and give you the top four so it was number one ohio state number two oklahoma number three florida state and number four michigan and then right outside the top four was number five washington and number six texas so in my rankings and this is purely resume based it does have a little bit of weight towards team strength and game control, but these rankings are heavily based on resume, um, and according to my rankings, these rankings, Ohio State is the number one team in the country. Obviously, you can disagree with that. Um, I don't always agree with the rankings 100%, but I thought a few years ago, I was thinking, man, it would be really cool to come up with um, kind of try to come up with an objective ranking system to measure each, each team's resume. And I came up with that. It's very arbitrary. I admit that. And it's not perfect whatsoever. But I do think it's better than the AP poll, at least in my opinion. And now we can talk about Ohio State's strength as a team. And I think this is very different than talking about their resume and the strength of their wins and their losses. Ohio State's a very good team. Um, they have one of the best defenses in the entire country. Their numbers on defense are really good. I was looking at um, ESPN has a bunch of metrics that measure a team's efficiency in a lot of different areas from their offense, their defense, and their special teams. And according to ESPN, Ohio State's defense has been one of the most efficient defenses in the entire country. Their defense is also really good um, in EPA per play. And you can go on, on pff.com and you can find, you know, PFF grades for both the team's offense and their defense. And you can find PFF grades for, like, basically every part of a team's defense. Their run defense, their tackling, their pass rush, their coverage. And Ohio State ranks... I, th I, th I think they rank top 15 in every single um, PFF grade, um, or for in PFF grade for every single category, which is really impressive. That's awesome. So their defense is absolutely ridiculous. Their offense is pretty good too. It's not quite as good as their defense. 
I think a big reason why their their offense hasn't been as good is because of their run game. Um, if I remember correctly, their their rushing numbers were not as good as their passing numbers. And as a team, their passing has been pretty good. Their passing attack has, has been has been one of the be- one of the best in college football. Not elite, but still very very good. Um, and Kyle McCord's counting stats look really good. His box score numbers are pretty sharp at the moment. I think the box score numbers kind of overestimate how good he's been playing. Well, I've watched a few of his games, um, and I haven't been particularly impressed. I haven't been blown away, but the box score numbers do look really good. His PFF grade, a little bit lower than you'd, than you'd expect looking at his counting stats, but still, he's been all right. Um, and overall, the Ohio State's offense has been has been pretty good but still not quite as good as their defense. Now, I'm not sure that Ohio State is the best team in the country at the moment. I do think they are one of the best. I think if I had to choose a team, um, you know, if I had to say who the best team in the country is at the moment, I would have to say Michigan. Their numbers are good. Like, they're insane. And I've criticized Michigan for their schedule. Um, like, I, I wouldn't have them as a top-four team in the nation right now simply because they haven't played really any good teams and their strength of schedule is really weak. But their even their opponent adjusted numbers are off the chart are, are off the charts across the board, offensively and defensively. So yeah, I think Michigan is probably the best team in the country at the moment. Um obviously their resume is a bit different. I don't think their resume is great at the moment, but they will have a chance to prove themselves later on this season when they play Penn State and Ohio State. But yeah, um, Ohio State, they're very good. Um, I think they, they aren't quite the best team in the nation right now. I do think they have an argument for that. Um, and I do think that their resume is the best. But yeah, so that's all I get to say about Ohio State. They're, they are having an awesome season. Um, and after a big win against Penn State this weekend, they I think that they should be the number one ranked team in college football right now. Now we can move on and talk about USC and Caleb Williams. So USC lost to Utah this weekend by a score of 34 to 32. Um, that that comes after a, a big loss against Notre Dame. I think that was two weeks ago, and so now their playoff chances are not looking good. Um, they are probably out of the playoff hunt. I'm not sure that they are completely out of it because they still have to play Oregon and Washington. And if they win out, they would have a chance to make the playoff. But I don't think they're going to win out. Honestly, I don't think the defense is is good enough. And honestly, I don't think Caleb Williams is playing good enough at the moment. Caleb Williams has really been struggling the last couple of weeks. And honestly, he has not had a great season. He was playing pretty well early on, but the last couple of weeks have been really rough for him. And something that I've noticed is that he is not making good decisions with the football. He's throwing, he's putting the ball in harm's way a lot more than he used to. He's not handling pressure as well as he did last season. That was a big strength of his last year, but that has turned into a big weakness for him this year. I'm not sure if, if it's just an issue with him or if there's an issue with the with USC's offensive line and their pass catchers. I don't think that he has a, a, a plethora of talent around him offensively, but I also don't think that USC's talent is terrible, and I do think that Caleb should be playing better than he is at the moment. He's also taking a lot more sacks than he did a year ago, and so, you know, you combine how, how his decision-making, um, you know, as a passer, as a, a sack avoider, 
it's it's been bad. Like it's just been really really rough to to watch. Um, and and his inability to avoid sacks, um, his struggles, you know, keeping the ball out of harm's way, it's really hurting him, and it's really hurting USC's offense. And I think that is a big reason why USC has been struggling the last couple of weeks. It's been it's been really tough to see. I mean, against Notre Dame, Caleb Williams had three picks and I think five sacks. And that's just terrible. Like, that's not good. Um, he was a lot better against Utah, but still, um, USC's defense really struggled in that game, giving up 32 or giving up 34 points. So you combine their defense with the struggles that Caleb Williams is having, and they're in a really rough spot at the moment. And I, like I said at the beginning, like, I don't think that USC is going to make the playoff. Even, and like, to make the playoff, they would have to win out. And I just don't see that happening. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost a couple more games. Like, if they lose to Oregon and Washington, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever. So it's been a really disappointing last couple of weeks for USC. Um, they've been struggling. Um, and Caleb Williams has not looked like the same quarterback that he was last year, which a bit, which is it sucks. Like it's re- it's really tough to see. Um, and you know, we can talk about his his status as a NFL draft prospect. I don't know if he's gonna fall outside the top outside the number one pick. You know, he was the heavy favorite to be the number one pick coming into the season. That still might be the case, but I wouldn't be surprised if. Whatever team gets the number one pick, if they need a quarterback, I wouldn't be surprised if they liked Drake May over Caleb Williams. Drake May is just objectively having a better season, at least in my opinion. Um, he is not having the same struggles as a decision maker that Caleb Williams is having. So yeah, I think it's been a weird season for Caleb. Um, I, I It'll be really interesting to see what kind of effect his performance this year has on his status as a prospect. Um, it's a bit concerning. I will say that um, I think that he had an awesome season last year, and because of what I saw from him last year, I can look past his struggles this year at least to some degree. But you do have to you do have to admit that it's a bit concerning that he, that he is struggling this much as a decision maker, playing within the pocket, playing under pressure, um, and avoiding sacks. It's all very un, um, you know concerning. And so, yeah, those are my thoughts on USC and Caleb Williams. It'll be really interesting to see if they're able to recover uh, the next couple of weeks and if they're able to bounce back and whether or not Caleb Williams can clean up his play the rest of the season. But yeah, now we can go ahead and transition um, talking about the NFL. But before we do that, I'm going to take a break and I will be back in just a second. All right, I am back, and now we can start talking about the NFL a little bit. And I want to get started by talking about the Buffalo Bills, who are just having the weirdest season of all time. Like, it's crazy, the season that they are having. The first four weeks of the season, they looked really, really good. I know they lost to the Jets in Week 1, but after that, they looked dominant. I mean, they destroyed the Raiders and the Commanders, and I know that those teams aren't great or anything, but to be that dominant, or to be as dominant as they were in those games, is really impressive. And then they dominated the Miami Dolphins in a huge game, and after that, they looked like arguably the best team in the NFL. But the last three weeks, they have really struggled. So, um, three weeks ago, they played the Jaguars in London. They lost 25-20. to Then they played the Giants at home 
on Monday or on Sunday Night Football, one fourteen to nine. But that was a huge struggle. I mean, they struggled mightily in that game, and they were lucky lucky to walk away with a victory in that one. And then this past weekend, they lost to the Patriots 29-25. They were actually winning that game late in the fourth quarter, but gave up a game-winning drive to the Patriots, whose offense has been really, really underwhelming this year. So that was a bad loss for the Bills. It's just weird. I mean, early on in the season, they were looking dominant, and they were looking like an elite team. But in the last couple of weeks... They have not looked that way whatsoever. They've really been struggling. Their offense has been really concerning. Uh, Josh Allen is having is having a weird season. I mean, he looks good by EPA per play, um, and I think his I think his PFF grade is still good. But in the last couple of weeks, he just hasn't looked the same. They, the Bills' offense, they're turning the ball over more. Um, just this past weekend, Josh Allen had worse numbers um, than Matt Jones, which is weird. He was less efficient than Matt Jones. Um, even against the Giants, he struggled. And so their, their offense is just it's, it's inconsistent. The last couple of weeks has been really inconsistent. I don't know why, but that's been a huge issue for them. Um, they've been struggling with turnovers. Josh Allen has been up and down the last couple of weeks. I think that's that's a big reason why um, they've been struggling the last three weeks. But yeah, the Bills are a weird team. Overall, they've still had a good season. I know they're four and three, but they are they're like top two in point differential in the NFL. Um, so I do still believe in the Bills. I think they are better than their record indicates. I think they are way better than their performance in the last three weeks. So I wouldn't overreact to what we've seen the last three weeks, but you do have to admit, it's concerning. Their performance the last couple of weeks has not been very good, um, and it does make me wonder whether or not they are actually one of the top teams in the NFL at the moment. Um, I do think that they will bounce back, and at some point will will you know start playing like one of the more dominant teams in the league. But man, the last couple of weeks have been rough, and at one point Josh Allen was looking like the MVP, and now. You don't really hear a lot of people talking about him as a legitimate MVP candidate, so he'll need to bounce back in a major way. I think he can. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge believer in Josh Allen. I think he is the second-best quarterback in the NFL, um, or at least he was coming into the year, and I do think he is in that conversation. But yeah, the last couple of weeks, it's been really weird for the Bills. It's just, I think that's the best way to put it. It's been weird. They're struggling. Their offense needs to bounce back. Um, their defense is really good. Their offense is really good. But the last couple of weeks, they have just they just haven't been playing uh, to their talent level, and it's been tough to watch. But hopefully, they can bounce back um, and start looking like one of the better teams in the NFL at some point. Now we can go ahead and transition to talking about the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson who were on fire. Um, the Ravens had a huge win this weekend. They beat the Lions by a score of 38-6, to which is crazy. That was a game that I was looking forward to watching, and it wasn't close whatsoever. The Ravens were, were just had full control of the game from the start, um, and they were up 28 to nothing at the half, I believe. Let me actually look um, and make sure I'm not just completely lying about that. Yeah, they were up 28 to nothing at halftime, 
and the Ravens just completely destroyed the Lions. They were dominant, and with this win, the Ravens are now 5-2. and two. They're one of the top teams in the league, not just by record, but by advanced stats. Like, they have, they are one of the best teams by point differential. Um, they're really good. They're a strong team. They're really good offensively, and they have one of the best defensive units in the league at the moment. Um, and I've been really impressed with Lamar Jackson. I mean, against the Lions, he was awesome. Completing 21 of 27 passes for 357 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and zero sacks. That's incredible. Like, that is an awesome day for him as a passer. He averaged 13.2 yards per pass attempt, had a QBR of 95, a passer rating of 155.8, incredible. I mean, that is by far one of the best passing performances he has had in his entire career. He was incredible in this game, and he is he's having an awesome season. Um, the advanced numbers love him. He is grading as one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year. I think he actually leads the league in PFF grade among quarterbacks, which is awesome. In my opinion, I think Lamar Jackson is the MVP this year. He is who I would vote as the MVP. Um, me personally, I, I have just been very impressed with his performance as a passer. I, I thought he was awesome as a passer the second half of last season. Um, and he has continued performing that at that level this year. He's playing out of his mind. He's also one of the more productive rushing quarterbacks in the league, um, which you know makes him even more valuable. Um, it's just been it's been awesome to see him be this productive. And honestly, the receiving core isn't amazing in Baltimore. I'm not I'm not trying to say that it's bad. No, like Zay Flowers has been good. Obviously, they have Mark Andrews who is great when he's healthy. Um, so it's not awful, but this isn't an amazing receiving core. So he's been able to produce at a very high level with, without any elite receiving core, like a guy like like uh, Brock Purdy and Tua Tungavailoa have. And I'm not I'm not dogging on those guys. I'm just saying like those guys have elite receiving cores. Lamar Jackson does not. So he is performing at a very high level without a ton of elite receiving talent around him, which makes his production even more impressive, in my opinion. But yeah, the uh, the Ravens look awesome. Um, I think that they are playing like one of the top teams in the league at the moment. They have one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the league. Um, their offense has been awesome. Their defense has been incredible. Um, their defense has been... Honestly, they've been one of they've been arguably the best defense in the league. Um, I think that the Browns' defense has been better, but the Ravens' defense is right behind them. I mean, their their defense is special. Um, their offense is great. So yeah, the Ravens they're playing at a very high level at the moment. Um, and the next couple of weeks they've got a, they got a pretty difficult schedule. They play the Cardinals next week. I wonder if Kyler Murray is going to play in that game. I don't know. Um, haven't heard any news about that. But they play the Cardinals this upcoming weekend. Then they play the Seahawks, the Browns, the Bengals, the Chargers. They've got a pretty difficult schedule the rest of the way. They don't have a lot of easy games. So they're going to be put to the test. And it'll be really interesting to see um, you know, how they respond to that. How they respond to that challenge of playing a lot of tough teams. I'm sorry about that. My desk just like fell apart here. But yeah, the Ravens are playing at a very high level. Um, and I've been really impressed with them. 
and with the performance of Lamar Jackson. And now we can go ahead and move on and start talking about the NBA. Um, before we do that, I'm going to take a little bit of a break and I will be right back. All right, let's close out this episode of the podcast by talking about the NBA. So the NBA season kicked off last night. We saw two games, the Lakers and the Nuggets faced off, and then the Suns and the Warriors played. So I want to talk about, talk about those two games. I'm not going to do a super big deep dive into those games because, honestly, I didn't watch all of the games, but I will talk about some of the things I noticed when I did when I was watching and some things I noticed from the box score. I also want to talk about some of the contract extensions that were handed out this week because there were a lot of contract extensions handed out um, and that's super important but let's go ahead and start talking about the two games from last night so um, let's start with the Lakers Nuggets game so last night was ring night for the Nuggets they won the championship last year um, or in the I guess last year last season um, so they got their rings and they also put up the banner and they played really well on ring night winning 119 to 107 I thought Jokic played extremely well I've been saying that he is the best player in the world um, for the last couple of months and he had a best player in the world kind of performance last night uh, putting up a 29 point triple double he had 29 points 13 rebounds and 11 assists, shot 12 for 22 from the field, and 3 for 5 from 3-point range. He played extremely well. Jamal Murray also had a nice night. Um, didn't have super big numbers, but he shot 8 for 13 from the field, had 21 points, 2 rebounds, and 6 assists. Gotta give a huge shout-out to KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, I picked him up off waivers in my fantasy basketball league. I chose him over Rui Achimura, which ended up being an awesome decision because uh, KCP had 40 points in fantasy. Rui only had 5 points. Gotta give a huge shout-out to myself. Give myself a pat on the back for that. But yeah, KCP had a big night, 20 points, 2 rebounds, and 1 assist. He also had 3 steals and a block. He was super active defensively, and he shot 8 for 12 from 3, and 2 for 3, or sorry, 8 for 12 from the field, and 2 for 3 from 3-point range. Um, Michael Porter Jr. had a weird night. He had 12 rebounds, which you don't really see very often. Um, he also had 12 points. Aaron Gordon was pretty good in this game. He was really productive. 15 points, 7 rebounds, and 5 assists. Something I, um, I'll, I'll be interested in um, watching with the Nuggets moving forward is their bench and the young players they have coming off the bench, like Zeke Najee um, and Peyton Watson. Both of those guys played over 10 minutes last night, and I think the Nuggets are going to have to rely on those guys more this season than they ever have, so that'll be interesting. Um, and It'll be interesting to see how their bench plays moving forward. Their bench wasn't you know, super productive in this game. Um, Reggie Jackson played 24 minutes. Christian Brown played 19 minutes. Um, and and they, neither of those guys had a big night or anything. So it'll be really interesting to see how the Nuggets bench performs moving forward because that's going to be huge for them as they try to repeat and win the title once again. For the Lakers, um, not a lot of theirs, I don't, nobody on their team really had a huge night. Tarion uh, Prince, who started for them, played pretty well. He had 18 points, 3 rebounds, 1 assist, shot 6 for 8 from the field, and 4 for 6 from 3-point range. He was good. Anthony Davis was 
fairly quiet offensively, had 17 points, 4 rebounds, and 8 assists, or sorry, 17 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, shot 6 for 17 from the field, um, he did have 2 blocks though, LeBron James had a very solid night, 21 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, he was really aggressive in this game, especially early on, um, he looked healthy, did not look injured whatsoever, he was attacking the rim with ferocity, looked really good in that department, D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves were pretty quiet, didn't have great nights offensively, were pretty inefficient um, scoring-wise, so they'll need to perform better moving forward, um, and then on the off the bench, they didn't have a lot of players play great off the bench. Rui Achimura really struggled. He shot 3 for 10 from the field, um, had 6 points, 3 rebounds, and 0 assists. Christian Wood had 7 points, 4 rebounds, 0 assists, and he did, let me see if he did anything defensively. Um, no, he didn't have any steals or blocks. Uh, he did shoot 3 for 4 from the field, but other than that, nobody on their bench, you know, had a very productive night, um, at least offensively. Um, and then defensively, nobody really performed very well for, um, coming off the bench, which is unfortunate. Um, so not a great night for the Lakers and a, a, a nice game for the Nuggets. They played well. Um, they looked like one of the top teams in the league last night. I thought they looked really good offensively. Um, they just need their bench to perform consistently moving forward. Now we can move on and talk about the Suns-Warriors game. The Suns won 108-104. to Big win for the Suns. Um, I was really impressed with what I saw from Devin Booker. He had a strong start to the game. Um, at one point, he had like 15 points. I think he had 15 points in the first quarter alone and was really efficient as a scorer. Overall, he had 32 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, shot uh, 13 for 21 from the field. And 3 for 8 from 3 point range. Durant was pretty quiet. Shooting just 7 for 22 from the field. Had 18 points. 11 rebounds. 3 assists. Um, so he was not he was not super productive. But um, luckily some, some of their other starters had a big night. Like uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Who had 14 points. 14 rebounds. 3 assists. He also had a block. And then Josh Kogi had 17 points. 5 rebounds. 1 assist. Um, and he had a steal, um, and then both of those guys were pretty efficient from the field. Off the bench, um, you know, Eric Gordon played a lot, had 32 minutes off the bench, but he wasn't very efficient scoring-wise, had 10 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist, shot 4 for 16 from the field, and 2 for 9 from 3-point range. Wow, he'll have to be better than that moving forward. Um, the the Suns relied heavily on their bench. I mean, Drew Eubanks had 19 minutes. Um, Utah, uh, let me make sure I get his name right. Utah Watanabe had um, 18 minutes, and Jordan Goodwin had a 14 minutes. Neither of those guys were particularly good offensively in this game, but they did rely heavily on those guys. And I gotta mention Grayson Allen. Uh, putting up zero points on zero uh, of six shooting from the field. He shot zero for five from three-point range. Wow, what a night for him. Um, had four point or sorry, four rebounds and two assists. Um, let's see, didn't do anything defensively. Nope, didn't have a steal or a block. And then we can look at the Warriors. Uh, Stephen Curry had a big night, 27 points, five rebounds, one assist. Shot 8 for 20 from the field. So he wasn't super efficient in this game, but he was very productive as a scorer. 
Um, kind of talking about Chris Paul. This was his debut for the Warriors. Um, he didn't shoot very well from the field. Um, shot just um, shot zero for six from three-point range, but he was pretty productive other than that. Had 14 points, nine assists, and six rebounds. Um, Clay Thompson also struggled to shoot from the field. Shot just three for 11 from three-point range. Um, and then Andrew Wiggins shot just four for 12 from the field. Those guys have to step up in a big way. I do want to give a huge shout-out to Jonathan Kaminga and um, Moses Moody, two young guys for the Warriors who played a lot in this game. I mean, Jonathan Kaminga had 20 minutes. Um, Moses Moody had 18 minutes. And both of those guys scored over 10 points. So shout-out to those guys. I was really impressed with Moses Moody, who shot two for four from three-point range, had 11 points, um, and he also uh, picked up three steals and a block. He was awesome against the Suns. Hopefully, he's able to get a lot of minutes moving forward, is able to be a big part of the rotation, and continues to play the way that he played in this game because he was awesome. Um, but yeah, so shout out to those guys, Kaminga and Moody, for, for playing a lot and being really productive when they did play. That was awesome to see. Um, but shout out to the Suns who were able to come away with the victory on the road. Big win for them. Um, but yeah, those games were a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch. Um, and that's all I got to say about that. Now we can talk about the contract extensions that were handed out this week. Let's see if I can find these. Um, there were a lot of contracts given out recently. I may have to look at just Woj and try to find the contracts. Um, I looked up to try to see if I could find an article that had all of them in one place. Couldn't find it. So let's see what we can find here with Woj. So the biggest contract extension that was announced this week was probably the Giannis extension. Giannis signed a three-year, $186 million extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. That is $62 million per year. I think this makes him the highest paid player in the NBA on a per year basis. I could be wrong about that, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, I did hear that that was more than Jokic is making on a per year basis, which is nice. And I'm pretty sure that this contract aligns with Damian Lillard. So this contract ends around the same time that Lillard's contract ends, which is interesting. Um, I did think that it was interesting that he didn't sign a five-year deal, but instead chose to sign a three-year deal. But he is in, in Milwaukee for the next three years, or at least his he has a contract that um, lasts three years. And so um, it seems that Giannis is committed to being in Milwaukee for the time being. We'll see what happens with him when that contract runs up. But he's there um, for a little bit. Um, it, it, it seems like the Bucks did enough in the offseason bringing in Damian Lillard to, to you know keep Giannis happy and to keep him wanting to be in Milwaukee for the time being. Other than that, um, there, was, there were some other big contract extensions giving out to guys whose rookie contracts were coming to an end, like Onyeka Okongwu, who signed a four-year, $62 million deal. Big deal for him. I love this contract as a Hawks fan. I think this is a very team-friendly deal. He's getting about $15.5 million per season, which is great. Um, I thought he would get closer to $20 million a year, um, but we, we were able to get him on a team friendly deal. I wonder what this means for Clint Capella. I'm thinking that at some point Clint Capella is going to get traded this year. Um, at least that's what I think this 
contract means. Maybe they keep both of these guys, but I'm just not sure. And there's been rumors that the Hawks were in, have been interested in trading Clint Capella for a while now. So that's that's a move that I'm that I'm expecting to happen at some point, um, whether or not it's it's in this year or in the future. But I'm thinking that he's going to get traded uh, pretty soon. Then let's look for some other deals. Um, Josh Green signed a three-year, $41 million extension with the Mavs. That's actually a lot. Like, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he got that much money. Um, it's not necessarily, ne- it's not necessarily a bad contract, but, um, he just, I feel like he hasn't played a ton, and for him to get a contract this big is impressive, so shout out to him. Um, I think this could work out. I think Josh Green is criminally underrated. I think he is an awesome wing, and he was great for the Mavericks when he played last year, um, but that is a decent amount of money to, to pay a guy like Josh Green. Um, that's not, that's not, that's a good, good amount of money. Um, Cole Anthony also signed a, uh, th- I think this was a three-year, $39 million deal. Interesting that the Magic are bringing him back. Um, I don't know what that means for Jalen Suggs. Maybe the Magic will look to move on from him at some point, possibly trade him this year by the trade deadline. Um, Aaron Neesmith agreed to a $33 million extension with the Pacers, which maybe I need to look at the numbers, but when I saw that, my first reaction was, wow, that's a lot of money. Seems like a big deal for Aaron Neesmith, so I'm glad that he got the bag, but for Indiana, not sure this is the greatest contract in the world. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just need to, you know, no ball or something, but it feels like Aaron Neesmith's production just has not warranted a contract like this. Um, I'll go ahead and look at the numbers, maybe tweet about him or something, because um, at first glance, my first thought was, wow, that's a lot of money for Naismith. Not sure I would have given him a contract that big. Let's go ahead and look at look for some more extensions. Uh, Denny Obdia signed a four-year, $55 million deal with the uh, Wizards. Uh, big contract. Um, again, um, well, I wonder if that if he's actually worth that kind of contract. Maybe he is. Maybe I need to look at the uh, at his numbers a little bit. I feel like it's not like a terrible deal, but maybe a little bit more than I would have been willing to give him if I were a GM. Uh, maybe a little bit more than he's worth. Um, like I said, I'm not I'm not trying to say that it's a bad contract whatsoever. I don't really have a strong opinion. That was just my first thought when I saw that contract. Zach Col- Zach Collins signed a two year deal with the Spurs, worth thirty five million dollars. Nice, um, nice deal for him and for the Spurs. Let's see what else happened. Oh yeah, this was some big news. Um, Stephen Adams is undergoing season-ending surgery. Um, he's part of the Grizzlies, so he's out for um for the year. That's huge news for the Grizzlies. It'll be really interesting to see if they try to make a trade to replace him or whether or not they, you know, just stay pat, um, stay pat with a guy like Xavier Tillman as their starter. Um, that's a big loss for the Grizzlies. I think Steven Adams is a very solid big man, so to lose him is huge for the Grizzlies. Now we can look at some more extensions. Zeke Naji signed a four-year, $32 million deal. I think that deal could work out nicely for the Nuggets. He hasn't played a lot for them, but um, that's under $10 million. I think that that contract could work out nicely for the Nuggets. Um, let's see. Any other contract extensions? Let's see. I'm not really seeing any. 
Um, I felt like there were more contract extensions other than that. Maybe not. Uh, there were a few guys who didn't get extensions, like Sidney Bay for the Hawks, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly. The fact that Emmanuel Quickly didn't get a contract extension is kind of crazy to me. He's been really good. So if he's on the open market at some point, some teams should definitely scoop him up. Maybe he was asking for a lot more money um, than the Knicks were willing to give him. Obi Toppin also didn't sign an extension. I don't know if I already named him. If I did, my bad. Um, there was another guy that was asking for a lot of money, um, Patrick Williams. He also didn't get a contract extension. I know that um, Zach Lowe for ESPN was reporting or said, I think he said on his podcast that Patrick Williams was asking for um Asking for a contract that started with a two, and it wasn't twenty million, so maybe he was just asking for a lot more money than the Bulls were willing to give him. And honestly, I get it. I would not want to pay him two hundred million dollars. He's a good player. I think he's a little bit underrated, but two hundred million dollars—he's not really worth that, in my opinion. But yeah, those are all the contract extensions that I could find. Maybe I missed some. Um, but yeah, so that's those were some big contract extensions that were given out this week. Um, the NBA is back. I'm really excited. I'm a huge bas- basketball fan. Basketball is my favorite sport, and I love the NBA. So I'm glad to have the NBA back, um, and I'm glad. I'm, I'm excited to watch the Hawks tonight on Wednesday, the time I'm recording this podcast. But yeah, that's all I got for today's episode. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed it. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Once again, I'm sorry for not releasing an episode the last couple of weeks, um, but I'm glad to get an episode out this week, and I hope y'all enjoyed it. And that's all I got for y'all today. Um, I will see y'all next time. 